welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are back again to talk about Umbrella <laughs> Academy again. Uh, so, Elliot, why don't you take us through what is the Umbrella Academy? Yes. So, the Umbrella Academy is a group of, well, it's a TV show about a group called the <laughs> Umbrella Academy, uh, made up of seven uh, kids, basically. Um, Seven X-Men, kids- we call them. Yes, it, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so the, the weird thing about these kids is uh, all seven of them were born on the same day. And in fact, all of their mothers weren't pregnant when they had them. Uh, sorry, at uh, the start of that day. So it was like there was this day mm. in 1989, 43 women, women around the world got pregnant and they all gave birth. And this crazy billionaire guy, it, it says he went around the world trying to get as many of them as he could. And he only got seven, which to me actually seems like kind of a weak effort. Uh, <laughs> like I mean, if, they were it, like he was trying to buy these children. I mean, yeah, adopt but, technically, uh, but you know, yeah. But then on the other hand, we know that all forty-three of these weren't planned. So, like, even assuming yeah. like some would want to keep them, I, I, I feel like seven. You, you know, and like having having a kid and not really being sure what to do with it, and then having a billionaire come up and be like, "Hey, I want to buy it off you and give it like the lifestyle." Of being raised by a billionaire, you know, it turns out especially that isn't great. Such but... a, especially such a seemingly kind and gentle parent as as this billionaire seems to be. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he makes it sound a lot better than... Well, it'd be easy to make it sound a lot better than it, it yeah. turns out being. But, um, I don't know, seven seems like a weird effort. But uh, especially, it, it's dropped that there were 43 right at the start. And I honestly spent most of the show expecting more of these superpowered kids oh yeah me or too adults to to show up and i was i was quite surprised it it stuck to only the seven um yeah it i was expecting the villains of the show would be like oh we're yeah. long lost cousins and it, we've also got powers but they just didn't it was it's so much more grounded than that which i really i yeah. mean grounded probably isn't the right word because there's all kinds of weird shenanigans <laughs> but no um, it's very much the story of these six really uh slash seven how dare like, you kids uh, and and what they're going ben through is the most important of all of them <laughs> i mean it it's shaped it, it shaped out like he's gonna have more of a role in season two which i'm excited for because what we did see of him was kind of interesting but uh it, yeah. yeah like it's very much the story of these seven kids and so it does actually kind of work that no none of the others are introduced and the twist that is around their birthday and and the villain is a more interesting take on just having it be another one of their super powered uh yeah cousins i guess is the yeah is the word for it um but anyway so let's talk about uh the seven uh since since uh they're the only ones who are really in it um you obviously have <laughs> yep. so so one of the weird things that this billionaire does so anyway it turns out the billionaire is a terrible father uh no to varying degrees there's there's actually some stuff i'd like to say on that later but uh he didn't give them names he actually let them choose names a bit later which is actually kind of a good system like a uh, you know letting kids pick their names when they're a bit older actually kind of makes sense. Um, but anyway, yep. he gives them numbers, and I think it's said at one point the numbers are based on how useful he thought their powers were, which I don't know how he told that when they were so that's, young. But... And that's wild as well, because he clearly fucked up <laughs> with the oh, yeah, his scheme. <laughs> his ordering was terrible. Uh, yeah, so so number one, uh, who goes by Luther, uh, is is has super strength. You know, he's kind of a boring power really um and so he's he's also ginormous and at first you think that's actually to do with his power or side effect of his power but it turns out later that that's like 
something that happened to him and it was like to save his life they had to inject him with this serum that also made him like really big and hairy and and kind of ugly uh yeah. and that's like in the co- a more interesting version <laughs> yeah uh in the comics i'm pretty sure he's actually like got the body of a monkey like genuinely his head has been put onto the body of a monkey and this is their way oh. of doing that without it being as ridiculous yeah, because it is it is quite like gorilla esque uh, his yeah. upper body, so I, I can see that. Um, and so then number two, I was never super clear on what his power is, but he can like throw stuff and it bends how he wants it to bend after he's thrown it, which is pretty cool. And he uses that with knives uh, effectively. Yeah, he's just really good at throwing things, basically. But he can and curve also them in they a way can that curve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they they bend it. He bends it way more than Beckham. Um, oh yeah. Beckham and has then, nothing on, on number two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so then number three has an interesting power, but it's probably the most in, the most interesting about, thing about it is the fact that they don't really use it in the show. Uh, and that she can say, if she says, I heard a rumor and then makes something up, it's sort of people act like it's true. Yeah. Uh, so she can convince people of lies, basically, by saying that she heard it as a rumor. Um, and so she's like a famous movie star with a great husband and a kid, and it's pretty much implied that she didn't earn any of it, uh, really, like yes. she used her power to cheat her way to the top. I, I really like uh, uh, Alison, um, number three. I'm not going to call them mm. by their numbers. That feels dehumanizing. No, yeah. Sorry, um, yes. Uh, I, I stopped doing that after number one. So number two goes by Diego, and Diego, number three goes yeah. by Alison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the thing I really like about Alison is she doesn't use her power because right at right at the beginning of the show, or right before the beginning of the show, she <laughs> she basically fucks up her perfect uh, family by using it on her uh, on her child and her husband seeing this, and it obviously freaks him out. Um, not just that she would use it on her child, but probably I would interpret it as him thinking, oh, well, this explains why I just suddenly fell in love with you or, or whatever, right? Yeah, um, from his perspective, it would be hard not to really doubt your relationship with someone like that, especially if you do see her casually using it on, on your child. Yeah, it's, it, you'd have very understandable doubts. <laughs> Yeah, she becomes very gun-shy about using it. I think justifiably so, because mm. she kind of realises that it's... I don't know. I, when you when you grow up in a family of superpowers, you're just like... Uh, of superheroes, you're like, oh, I can just use my superpower, it's fine. But her superpower is pretty fucked up to use on people. Um, well, it's only really possible to use it in a manipulative way. Uh, yeah. So like, that's how she ends up using it, because I yeah. don't really understand what else you could do with it. We've we've made it seven and a half minutes in, so let's just break this down now. Um, it reminds me of of Misfits. This is one of many comparisons to Misfits that I'm sure we'll be making. I can't remember the character's name. I think it's Alicia, who uh, whose power is that when she touches somebody, they want to have sex with her, and it's a power that is only possible yeah. to use in a way that is fucked up. Um, oh, that's interesting. I. I, I didn't make that connection at all, actually, but uh, you're right. The way it's used is is somewhat similar. I, I drew up more comparisons to uh, a character whose name I've forgotten, uh, but she was one of the leads in Alphas, which is a superhero show mm. that was on sci-fi for two years. It was really good, got cancelled uh, abruptly, which is par for the course on that network. Uh, <laughs> but she basically had the same sort of power. Like, or she had Kilgrave's power from Jessica Jones. Like, whatever she said people would be like compelled to do 
yeah. And she was very similar to Allison in that her arc in the show started at the point where she was trying to redeem herself. Like she'd lived this sort of hedonistic, uh, manipulative lifestyle for a few years and had that epiphany where she realized that her life was quite empty when she was just getting everything she wanted in this hollow way. And so it was all about her trying to build a life like the legit way. And it's very similar to Allison's arc in a lot yeah. of ways. I find that a very compelling story. And, you know, Kilgrave mm. is another great comparison. Um, there's a part in Jessica Jones where he's genuinely trying to redeem himself, right? Um, and to me, that was the most fascinating part of that show. Uh, and and mm. it, it, uh, similarly, I really love Alison's arc of how, how do you redeem yourself when a core part of, of your identity, since you were a child, is fucked up, right? Uh, I yeah. guess that probably applies to most of these characters, but <laughs> with Alison, it's very, yeah, I just, yeah, I really like it. Uh, yeah, well, it's fascinating because you're essentially being asked to reject part of who you are. Like, the powers are part of who they are. Uh, yeah, and, totally. And Kla- Klaus is going through something similar. And that's my really good segue into talking about Klaus, uh, who's number four. And uh, he's played by Robert Sheehan. Uh, and so his power is that he can see dead people. Uh, yep. And uh, as we learn towards the end of the season, maybe even do more than that. Uh, he can sort of yeah. bring them back to some extent. Uh, but basically, uh, through a mixture of dead people being horrifying and uh, the billionaire father being a shit father, Klaus really, yeah. really hates talking to dead people. Uh, so he's basically stoned out of his mind with whatever he can get his hands on all the time uh, because that stops his power from working. Yeah, he's figured out <laughs> he can... he. He can, yeah, turn off his power by being drunk or stoned or both all the time. Um, yeah. And that's and, how uh, he lives. Yeah. And it's like, because he's sort of that stereotypical drug addict character that you do see in a lot of fiction. Yeah. But it kind of works this time because there's a real justification for him not wanting to change his ways. Like, obviously, drugs, you know, warp your neural pathways and, and make it really hard to quit. So, like, like you know... Yeah, it, it is a hard thing in real life to do, but I really like this outer thing where, like, Klaus is permanently running away from something. It's a twist on this sort of character trope, also this this common character arc that I, I think makes it even more impactful because he he doesn't just have to face his fear of like life without drugs, which is like a- already pretty tough to do, but he's yeah. also trying to run away from the fact that when he's sober, things are even more terrible because he's surrounded by ghosts. Uh, ghosts. Yeah, um, and this we're, we're kind of starting to flirt with one of the reasons I really want to bring this uh, to the show is because obviously fans of, of us will know of, that we're pretty big fans of a series called Worm or Ward, written by Wild I've Bo. heard of it. Um, heard of it, yep. Uh, and, and the thing that I really love about Umbrella Academy is these powers aren't arbitrary, right? Like who gets what power is not arbitrary at all. It These powers are <laughs> designed by, you know, whatever... Uh, by the screenwriters, I guess, to <laughs> emphasize the flaws that these characters have and kind of force them to, you know, cycle. Uh, these powers really do make worse the character traits that these people have. Um, and it, it becomes a very fun way of exploring personality to, you know, mental illness even, I would say, um, with, a, with by reflecting these characters off of their powers. Uh, it, and it's, yeah. it's very fun. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's, it's kind of the opposite take from Worm. Like, not to get too much into Worm spoilers territory, but uh, obviously in Worm, you get a power that represents y- your issues as a character. Yeah. This is kind of the opposite because what it is is it's almost 
these characters were brought up and their lives mm. were based around their powers. Like their whole lives was about training to use their powers. And so it, it's like their issues are built around their powers. Whereas so so worm mm. builds powers around issues. In, a, in the Umbrella Academy, these characters have all had their issues come up around their power and the fact that they were raised in a stupidly horrible uh, situation. You're right. And I, I guess that makes it less uh, less pessimistic than Worm in that for these characters, there are ways to change and kind of accept themselves. Yeah. <laughs> in Worm, there are in universe reasons why their powers constantly fuck them over. Um, so anyway, yes. Uh, number five, his ability is he can warp through space, and if he tries real hard, he can warp through time. And and so he's in the body of a teenager still. Like the majority of this series takes place when these guys are thirty, um, and they've they've mm. all come back uh, for their father's funeral. Uh, but five is still stuck in his teenage body because he got stuck in the future. Whole bunch of shit happened to him uh, there. He time traveled some more, but he's ended up coming back to stop an apocalypse that's happening in eight days, and his whole uh life basically revolves around wanting to stop that yeah uh when they were quite young he disappeared uh and mm. they never saw him again until the day that this series the, starts the what like tw- <laughs> yeah until 20 years later basically um, yeah about 20 years yeah um uh, so then number yeah. six is dead he died uh when they were teenagers and that sort of is what broke up the original uh umbrella academy and, and so this is obviously taking place like another 10 or so years after that um yeah, but one of the interesting things is Klaus uh, basically has Ben, the number six, kind of permanently around him. Like even when he's really drunk or something, number six still seems to be around. So whether yeah. because of their close connection in real life or something, uh, or whether that's like something Klaus is doing a bit subconsciously, Ben is almost a permanent fixture in, in Klaus's uh, environment. Yeah, and so number six kind of is now only really a character in the way that he interacts with Klaus, um, but still, still uh, has quite a he has quite an interesting position in the story where he's kind of like the the straight man and the the, the mm. guy who's trying to inspire Klaus to be better when really all of his <laughs> all of the rest of his family have totally given up on him. Yeah, well, it seems like seems like he's the most normal one, and it's hard to know whether that was just him or whether it's because he like for lack of a better term, got out uh, yeah. early. But uh, Yeah, I guess it's hard not to have perspective <laughs> when you you literally are just perspective on life. Yeah. And well, what's really interesting, I think, and this shows how much Klaus hates his power, is that none of his siblings are really aware that he has been around pretty much all the time. Uh, in, in the last few episodes, there's a bit where he mentions things Ben said, and they're like, oh, Ben? No, he's dead. And it's just... <laughs> yeah, like what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is weird, a weird thing to say to someone whose power is to bring back the dead, but that just shows how out of touch he is with talking about his power. He hasn't even told them that... Because he has a pretty good relationship with Ben, so it's weird that he hasn't even yeah. told his siblings that Ben's around. Like, he just doesn't want to be asked to use his power even more. Well, I think it's probably fair to say that once Ben died, that really was the point where a lot of them went their separate ways. Um, yeah. And so there probably hasn't been that much. I mean, I, I doubt Klaus has even seen them that much since since that no, happened. No, so. well, that's true. But uh, it's a weird thing not to bring up when you're back in touch, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, it is true. Um, yeah. Anyway, and so then finally we get to number seven, the least useful, uh, Vanya, played no by powers. Ellen Page. Um, yeah, yeah, no powers. It's a, a shocking twist. Uh, turns out she does have some later. Um, yes, I'll get to I think Vanya's. That's- I'll get to Vanya's whole arc later, because that's something uh, we'll talk about. But, um, yeah, that's basically the main seven. So, also in this house, you always had the billionaire dad who died, who's mostly characterized in flashbacks. Uh, They have, Mm -hmm. like, a robot mum. 
mm-hmm. uh, who was made to take care of them, uh, who's really mostly there for Diego's plot line, um, which is yep. she's, she's used really well there. And to just uh, add atmosphere, I would say. I think yeah. one of my favorite parts of this is in like episode two or three, you know, they're coming back and they're talking about dad and they, they mention their mum every so often, but they never mm. really linger on it. And you see snippets of her and it just kind of, she just seems off and creepy until it all kind of falls into place. Um, yeah. Oh, in fact, there's a line, there's a line I noticed. They're talking about their mum. I think it's in the pilot and they mention that she has to go and like, you know, just relax and recharge and mm. the whole scene is built to like draw attention to the term recharge even though you don't know what it means and then later you learn she's a robot and i was sort of like oh that's <laughs> what that meant because uh, yeah. they drew like weird amounts of attention to the word recharge there yeah. um and, and so then i guess the other character is pogo Pogo's the worst uh he's a monkey that lives in the house for some reason uh that's not ever really explained except that the billionaire made him an intelligent ape i guess He's kind um, of the assistant to to the billionaire, um, to Reginald. Yeah. I don't know why we... Let's just call the characters by their names. I actually forgot um, Reginald's name. That's why I've just been calling him the billionaire. I, I, know, the, I, know, me, I know the surname's Hargreaves, but I forgot, yeah. <laughs> I forgot his name was um, Reginald. So you didn't like Pogo then? Well, no, not really. I mean, he's the cause of most of the problems. Um, <laughs> yeah, like he, yeah. He has this... I guess it's an understandable feeling of loyalty to reginald after he died but it's pretty it's pretty clear reginald was mishandling a lot of things Mm. and pogo keeps these plans in motion even after reginald's passed away to the emotional detriment of everyone he supposedly cares about so yes i found i found pogo very frustrating in that regard because as the series goes on he's constantly unveiling things and and you're just sort of there like, why didn't you say this four episodes ago when it could yeah. have stopped all the shit that just happened? Uh, yeah. I think my one lingering question about that is, you know, Pogo obviously was a, a creature that was designed. Um, I, I suspect there's probably some programming in there that, that <laughs> makes him loyal to to Reginald. Yeah, that's um, that's absolutely possible. Um, uh, and I mean, but then at that point, he just has no free will. So, what does it matter whether I like him or not? Like, he's just a robot. Yeah, uh, sure, sure, um, sure. I suppose. I don't know because yeah, I, it, it stood out to me um, a bit in episode ten. I think it's the last episode. Vanya kills Pogo, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, I guess we'll see if that stacks up in season two. But I, they acted like it was a big emotional thing. But I, I really felt like that was what he had coming in a way. Like he had done so much so much dumb stuff to mm. keep the family the way it was that I think when it all came crumbling down, him heroically sacrificing himself to let the others escape was probably the least that he owed them. Mm. Uh, I, so I, I felt I've it was appropriate. He's basically their butler, right? Like, that's more or less... Yeah, yeah he's a monkey butler. Though. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say that I really liked about Pogo is... The CGI on him was was very good, like surprisingly good. Yeah, did they borrow a... like the Planet of the Apes movies technology? Because I don't uh, know, it looked I, about I that expect, good. I, I mean, you know, some of the effects in the show aren't that great, but I, I was really wowed by just how good the CGI on Pogo was. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, for sure. Um, anyway. and, and in fact, like speaking of, like I think something I really want to talk about uh, when it comes to this show is. It's very stylish, like, oh, yeah. uh, for lack of a better term. Like, it, 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 it places a heavy emphasis on having, like, style. Yeah. 
I think that's one of the strengths of the show. I mean, you know, the characters are all quite strong, I think. The plot is pretty good. It, there are kind of some bits where it's weird and <laughs> it's inconsistent. And, yeah, and it does kind of feel like uh, Reginald had this, like, precognitive ability to set up this very intricate plan and it all kind of happens exactly correctly, which is... Yeah, well, you know, there's a, a bit... weird scene that opens the last episode, like, episode <laughs> 10, where... <laughs> He's in this weird, like, I don't know, other continent, other world or something. There's a bunch of rockets and there's some weird flying things that I'm just guessing are the origins of the powers. Like, I think there's a lot more to him that we're going to get next season because he's some sort of alien yeah. or interdimensional being or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's weird. It's a thing that's kind of thrown in. And so I looked this up in the comics after because I was like, what the fuck is this? Um and I think it is, like, he's from another planet or something, and uh, obviously there's more to get into there, but it, it does feel like a bit of a weird inclusion that doesn't well, really come up. Yeah, it was weird to open the episode, the final episode with it, and then not address it for the rest of the episode. I don't really oh, yeah. understand what it added, except, yeah, making you think even more that this was all sort of something Reginald had planned. And, and so, I mean, I'm going to watch season two, so we'll see We'll see where they go with that, but... Um, <laughs> Let's let's get back yeah. to the tone and the atmosphere. Cause yeah, you're right. So, and this is, I think, the strength of the real strength of the show. Well, I mean, the opening ten minutes is fantastic. So you have like a birth scene of what I presume is Vanya, but I, there's no real evidence anyway for that. It could be yep. any of them. Uh, but then it goes into this great thing where it actually introduces uh, all of them as they're grown up. And it does so, like Vanya's playing violin, and so she plays Phantom of the Opera, and then she plays. Um, Think of Me Fondly, which are two great songs. They work really well on the violin. And, like, so it's, like, as she's playing these, that's the music that uh, is playing over the introductory sequences for all the other siblings, uh, except for five mm. and, and six, uh, because five's in the future and six is nowhere. Um, yep. And and so that, that ten minutes is probably my favourite ten minutes of the show. And, I mean, I can't think of any other show off the top of my head that has an opening that's, like, this strong. Like, that's probably the, the mm. strongest opening of any show ever like it was such a efficient and stylish way to introduce all the characters really quickly uh, i loved it um yeah i, I and I then think the show does some very interesting things with its tone like it, it does it kind of is a comic book show right and it has these weird moments another one that springs to mind is uh i think it's the end of episode one all the characters just kind of uh, you get this weird sequence of all the characters dancing alone in their rooms and you kind yeah of... i really liked that one yeah, i think that's the um, end of the first episode yeah and it and the camera kind of shows each of them dancing alone in their rooms and you zoom out and you see this like dollhouse view of everybody dancing uh and it's very it's very strange and it doesn't it it you know, it it the, this the fact that they do this isn't like plot relevant or anything. It's kind of there just to be this to set up the style and tone of the show. And it, it yeah, it, yeah, it really kind of blows it away. I think yeah, and and I mean something this show does that's not really unique or original uh, for this show, but most of the fight scenes take place over yep. like old uh, like pop songs, basically. I guess yep, it feels um, kind of Guardians of the Galaxy. I would yeah. say in that respect. Um, and I think this show does a really good job of that. And, and I, I enjoyed it the whole way through, like, you know, so it's not, it wasn't groundbreaking, but I think they did a really solid and consistent job of making it fun. Like, uh, they're all great energetic songs and, and kind of conflicted with what was happening on the screen in, in a way I liked. Um, but it, yeah, so the, the interesting thing about the style to this show for me was 
about almost 12 months ago now, I want to say, I uh, I got into the show Legion. Mm. Um, well, no, actually, that's not true. I didn't get into it. I watched the show Legion. <laughs> uh, both my Uh-oh. sisters are obsessed with it, and they'd, they'd, been on me, they'd been on me to watch it. And so I actually sat mm. down to watch it with the idea that I would bring it to Media MD as soon as I was done, mm. um, because I knew you hadn't seen it, and uh, they were going no, about it. No, it's still on my to-watch list. I, I hated it. Um, and All so right. that, that's why it never came here, uh, because I... I hated it, uh, and the reason was because it was all style and no substance. Mm. And in a lot of ways, the Umbrella Academy's style reminded me of Legion, but I liked it in the Umbrella Academy, and I didn't like it in Legion. And it was because, like, my big complaint with Legion is the plot and the characters are, are really bad in Legion. Like, well, mm. the characters have potential, but they're never used because the plot yeah. is such a mess. And so it's kind of like, I think Legion is style over substance, whereas for me style is something it's like the icing on the cake but you need you need like plot and characters and and stuff underneath it otherwise you just got a bowl of icing which i guess is great you know when when you're young (laughs) and you want the sugar but i'm too old for that shit now um so yeah i i I agree i think the substance of the show is the characters right and we haven't even touched on uh my favorite character uh who is hazel hazel Uh, yep yeah um do you want to do you want to sum up who Hazel and Cha Cha are? Yeah, well, so part of Five's whole plot that gets uncovered eventually is that he worked for this um, time bureau esque thing that uh, you know, enforces that time stays the same and people don't disrupt time. Uh, and and part of that organization is having assassins that they they send into certain time periods to <laughs> yeah, kill certain time people. Assassins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. And so five was was a legendarily uh, skillful one of these. Well, because uh, he now, can teleport. I feel like he had an advantage. Yeah, he did have an edge. Um, and and so basically he he's now defected. So his plotline is essentially that he's defected. He's trying to stop the apocalypse that's meant to happen. Yeah, and so. Hazel and Cha-Cha are two other, the two second best seemingly time assassins. And yeah. so they're sent to basically take him out. Uh, and yeah. Um, and th- so we they... introduced, the, these characters are antagonists for the ma- majority of the series, right? Oh, they're um, so, they're so hard to hate though. Like I know. They're, they're, so they show up, they basically go around wearing animal masks and just shooting, shooting things, right? For, for <laughs> at least the first four or five episodes. Um, but, but then we get this weird arc where Hazel, one of them, basically falls in love with a with a soon to retire uh, waitress at a donut uh, a donut shop um, who is like yeah. thirty years his senior, and it's this very weird. It's like this romance that you that you that you don't expect, and it 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 leads Hazel to kind of have this entire arc of like questioning his his. A career that he's unhappy with and it, it's such a fascinating story um and it yeah, just makes well, hazel I, so goddamn lo- likable <laughs> i think i think the reason hazel and cha-cha worked for me so like the, the reason that you can't hate them even from the start is because yeah they are almost immediately introduced like in their own scenes and basically they come across as like worker bees who are really frustrated with the bureaucracy of their organization and that yeah. just immediately makes you relate to and like them like you know everyone everyone hates their their boss and and the lack of benefits uh that they're getting in their job so it's it's immediately like they're set up as as worker bees who are just at the whims of the man and that yeah immediately makes you like them uh i, I think yeah, it, is true. why it works so well and 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, it's Hazel's arc is very interesting. Cha Cha's as well is she bounces around a bit more, I think, and, and is less mm-hmm. anchored. But she almost exists, I think, more to make Hazel's arc make or enhance Hazel's arc. Like I think she enhances his arc, whereas taken in isolation, hers is just kind of I don't really understand exactly where it ended up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're definitely a highlight, and and obviously as the antagonists for the majority of the show, uh, <laughs> yeah. they they add the conflict as well, which is nice. Um, yeah, it's interesting to even call them antagonists because I guess they kind of are, but this show doesn't seem to worry too much about. I mean, it's not about oh, it's us versus them. It, it, in more ways, it's about it's us versus the apocalypse. <laughs> um, mm. Uh, so I wanted to touch on something that I think the show received kind of some criticism for. I'm curious what your take on it is, which is there's an episode, and I can't remember what number episode it is, but it's, it's going to be the number six. That- this is going to be the one where they just undo the whole episode and the whole thing was pointless. Is that is that where we're going? That's the one I'm talking about. <laughs> Did I answer your I'm- question? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm definitely on the negative side of of the point of this episode. I. Because for me, it does some really interesting stuff, like episode six. So, you know, for instance, the big one, I think, is that one and three or Allison and Luther actually profess their love to each other. Yeah. And then it sort of gets undone. And I think for something like that to work, I think what would have to happen is it would have to be like revelations or something that were happening that weren't undone for me, the viewer, when the thing was undone. Like Because we already knew one and three had the hots for each other. Mm. And so to see them get together and then immediately have it undone, like it didn't really add anything to their relationship except just frustration later on when they weren't together. Um, and and similarly, like uh, Vanya, that's when she first discovers that sinister man whose name I forgot. Uh, Le- Leonard is it? Leonard? Yes, he looks uh, a bit like Harold. Lin-Manuel Harold slash Leonard. Um, he he plays a recurring character in the later seasons of Orphan Black, and and that was all I could right. I could see when I, when he was on. Uh, but he. Yeah, so he's evil, and it's super obvious from the start, so it's not really a shocking yep. twist. When it went. Uh, <laughs> but Vanya discovers that he's evil uh, at the end of this episode six, and also discovers some of the truth of her power, I'm guessing, because she reads his book. And then that's almost yep. immediately undone. And, and again, like, uh, so I don't understand what the point of any of it was. Like, I think if you're going to mm. have to do something like this, um, it'd have to be an actual revelation. Like, it was super obvious that he was evil. It was super obvious that Vanya had powers. It was super obvious that one of three were into each other. So sort of having it all happen and then undoing it doesn't really add anything, I don't think. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think I'm more positive about the episode. Um, I think my least favorite part about it was the was the Leonard and Vanya bit because that was, you know, you're kind of just waiting for the other shoe to drop for Vanya at this point. Um, well, that's like so the, it does... that's my TLDR of, of, the, uh, of the Umbrella <laughs> Academy really is pretty good except for the Vanya bit. Let's let's get back to that in a second. Um, the, the the part with one and three didn't bo- didn't bother me as much because you kind of just get to experience what it would be like if they if they did do that, and then the story kind of doesn't go that way. They don't actually end up ending up together because things go wrong in the actual version. Um, hmm. And so I, I did like seeing a moment of them kind of having a nice. They ha- they have like a, a dance sequence, uh, which is nice. Um, and and then the other part about it, I really the part about the episode that I really liked is you see uh, Hazel and Cha Cha are set against each other. Um, 
and mm, the episode ends yeah. with with Hazel See, killing Cha Cha, right? Well, this is the this is the one part of the episode I would agree definitely works, and, and this is what I'm talking about about recontextualizing stuff is. So I think mm. in episode six, the one that gets erased, we see it all from Cha Cha's perspective, where she gets an order to kill Hazel, and so she's like wrestling with whether or not she's going to do that for the whole episode. And yeah. then in episode seven, as we're sort of repeating the day, we see it from Hazel's perspective, and we learn that he also got orders to kill Cha-Cha, and then eventually he learns that they were pitted against each other, and, and it's sort of a whole thing. But like, like I think that's an example of where the yeah. concept does work, because we we see the different events from different perspectives, um, but you almost, like, it could have just been... Like, there was no time reversal needed for that to really be shown from the two perspectives, you know? You're right. I, I think that's the part that really made me like the episode, is just, you get to see another perspective, and you also... it. It adds so much tension um, to the way it resolves because you kind of know, oh, these are the beats that we're going to hit, and it, it it adds so much tension to them because things start going slightly differently, and you're like, oh mm. shit. I mean, you know, yeah. I, well, I, I think just that's end when... up worried that Hazel's going to die. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think something like this works when I think the message would have to really be what like whatever changed like when when we're seeing the second go what was different like the the snowball effect is basically saying you know like if everyone ends up more miserable which is kind of what happens um you're essentially saying that the snowball effect is whatever changed it which in this case is five coming back uh from being stuck in the past again because getting stuck in different times is sort of his thing uh yep so he comes back and that's what sets off the events changing in episode seven and so, you know, like you could kind of read it as saying, oh, well, one and three aren't together and aren't happy because of his interference or whatever. But that's not really how it comes across because mm. th- that doesn't really gel with any of the other <clears throat> timelines. And also, like, you know, he's trying to stop the apocalypse. It's hard to hold it against him for disrupting their relationship for five days uh, to stop mm. the apocalypse. Um, so, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, if, if there'd been a consistent theme to the changes in the timeline that revolved around it all being five's fault and questioning whether his interference is actually helping. Uh, I think I yeah. would have, I would have found it more interesting. Yeah. I think it makes stabs towards that where, you know, around that time we're getting into things about five kind of being willing to kill people and, and is it right yeah. for him to just be willy nilly changing history? But you're right. That doesn't all kind of, it doesn't quite tie together enough. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, like, Talking about some of those similar, because I think the show does a good job of bringing up a bunch of kind of classic superhero moral quandaries with that, but I think it it handles a a large variety of them, which is kind of why it works. Um, Mm. So, like, like Diego's sort of the classic vigilantism uh, type thing, and then he's also got (laughs) some more personal issues relating to his... Being number two, his basically his whole issue is that he's not (laughs) number one. Uh, Yep. And, and so he's constantly trying to seem tough and impressive to everyone. Uh, and, and that's where Grace, the robot mum, comes in as really valuable in his plotline because she's kind of the one person he can be himself with. Uh, and, mm. and she helped him get over a stutter um, and, and all that. So, yeah, like, like you know, we're touching on like a lot of this stuff. And Luther is your classic kind of super strength guy trying to be a leader and coming to terms with the yeah. fact that maybe... Maybe he isn't a natural leader, and their dad was a fuck. <laughs> Not just that. Maybe, maybe that he 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 seems to invest so much in the idea of the team, and his arc is really about his disillusionment with with yeah, that concept. Yeah. 
Um, and it never really, it, it, I think he's one of the people that, one of the few people that ends up in a much worse place than they start the season in. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, and then obviously we already touched on how Allison's basically coming to terms with not using her power and trying to reform the relationships with those in her family uh, as yeah. that's the closest thing to genuine relationships she's got. I, um, I quite like all of their arcs. Um, yeah. It does feel like they all have important arcs, right? It, they all have... Yeah. Uh, it's it's so interesting because you compare this to a lot of uh, a, a lot of superhero media where there's a you know a core team of heroes and the story is really about one of them, right? The story's about the yeah. leader of the team most of the time or, or whatever. Um, but this isn't like that. A- apart from Ben, who obviously kind of isn't... <laughs> he's a bit weird to consider one of the main characters. Yeah. Um, they all have clear arcs and clear ways that their characters develop. In Luther's case, in 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 a kind of uh, less healthy way, but for the for the rest of them, they all kind of they all grow as people, right? Yeah, I mean, you could argue that Luther's getting more healthy because he's not deluding himself, but uh, that's it's true. Short term, short term negative effects from <laughs> he's, that. He's definitely less happy. Um, yeah. Now, sp- speaking of arcs, I think it's time that we talk about <laughs> the the uh, the white violin in the room. Um, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> let's talk about um, let's talk about the way that Vanya's arc resolves and what you thought. Yeah. Of it. So so obviously so it ties into fives a bit. So to quickly touch on five, obviously he's time traveling, trying to stop the apocalypse because he's the one who knows it's coming. Uh, and essentially all of that boils down to uh, him coming to terms with like you know doing the wrong thing for the right reasons is basically five's mm. challenge. Uh, and just being crazy. Like, I love his relationship with the mannequin Dolores. Uh, that was a nice... <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. That uh, was a nice Kind of uh, reforming attachments to people as well is, is a big theme throughout Five's arc. Um, yeah, you're right. Because he's been alone for 30 years. Like, you know, even though he's in the body of, of like, uh, uh, someone going through puberty, he's the mind of, like, a 60-year-old or something. So, he's... Yeah. He's been alone for over 30 years, and then he went into a job assassinating people, which probably didn't do much for his forming connections attribute. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he's he's uh, he's trying to turn into a normal person a, a little bit again. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, Vanya, yeah, Vanya starts the show. So her whole bit is basically that she didn't have powers, and so their, their father was just an absolute twat to her um, for her whole upbringing and kept her separate from the others and just made her play violin a bunch. Um and now she's grown up and she's sort of defined by her mediocrity uh, in her life yeah. until she yeah. meets a, a roguish young violin uh, enthusiast uh, named <laughs> Leonard. Uh, yeah, he's clearly evil. He, he turns out to be a, a villain. Uh, he's basically a kid who was born on the same day as them due to a natural pregnancy. Uh, yeah. And his father was abusive. And so he wanted to be part of the Umbrella Academy, which, I, and I just love that he was born on the sa- same day as them, but isn't powered. Like, it was such a great. Yeah. That was the one part of the, the whole development of that arc I really enjoyed. Because uh, yeah. he's basically the bad guy from, from The Incredibles uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, you're uh, right. Um, he, he kind of takes it upon himself to manipulate things to get himself power uh, and get revenge on, on the Umbrella Academy at the same time for a perceived slight that is. Pretty yeah. uh, a pretty unfair <laughs> perceived slight on his part. Well, it, that that's true. But then also, Hargreaves, like Reginald, was an unnecessary dick to him about it. So you know, yeah. you, 
you reap what you sow there. Uh, well, I don't know, Elliot. I've had people be unnecessarily dickish to me in my life, and <laughs> my personal purpose doesn't become just to exact revenge on them. No, that's um, true. That, that's I guess true, he's but... banked a lot on being becoming an, a member of the Umbrella Academy. Anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, so, anyway, so it turns out he, he gets a hold of Reginald's diary after Reginald dies and Klaus throws it out, and he discovers Vanya's secret that she was actually the most powerful... Uh, of them and in fact her power was uh so out of control that reginald had allison tell her uh or you know do the rumor thing to make uh vanya forget that she had a power yeah and then vanya was brought up believing she didn't have one and you know i i've hated on reginald and his child rearing skills a lot throughout this episode but i do have to say vanya in the flashbacks that we see was a little psychopath who oh yeah was basically Jean Grey from X Men Three, but but yeah, she she I mean she murdered or maybe not murdered, but at least injured uh, a bunch of people with her power. Um, yeah, like I yeah, and- I actually think this is one of the few correct decisions Reginald probably made. Uh, well, <laughs> un- being unnecessarily unkind to her for the rest of her upbringing yeah. was dumb, but yeah. removing her knowledge of her own powers. Yeah, I actually think was probably a good call because she was a little, she was turning into a little psychopath. Um, Did it cause the apocalypse though? Maybe. No, what caused the apocalypse was Luther not listening to Allison when she said to let her out and to like yeah. just give her a hug. Uh, like I, I was getting so frustrated watching that. Um, but like the the good kind of frustrated. Uh, you know, like when you're watching characters make bad decisions, but it's in character, so you can't really complain, but you're just like, no, don't do it. Yeah. Luther keeps making bad decisions throughout the second half of the story, <laughs> but I, I actually really quite liked uh, Alison and, and Fania's relationship. Um, mm, and how it develops, it, yeah. Yeah. It, it That was a real strength to me of the second half of the show, like, because they do eventually uh, lock up Fania while they're trying to figure out what happens, and Alison is the one who, like consistently is on her side even when vanya loses control and uh kind of cuts her throat with her power causing her to lose her ability to talk which um um, you know given her power and her current issues with her power is actually not the worst thing um yeah yeah but uh yeah no i like i I agree i think the way allison is sort of she starts at trying to prove to vanya that she's legitimate and that she wants to rekindle their relationship and vanya gives her a chance, decides that she isn't genuine because she's trying to come between her and Leonard. Of course, Alison yep. was right. But it, essentially, the whole <laughs> thing comes down to Alison proving to Vanya that she's legit. And it's sort of by the time that case is actually made, Vanya's little psychotic side has, has come back out as she stopped taking her pills and has got her power back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the show ends with... Vanya causing the apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, five said it was coming, and it does. Yes, and and so the last thing is the rest of them. Oh no! So they managed to get Vanya uh, after she shot a laser that blows up the moon and and stuff. So the moon was important. Luther was right. Um, mm-hmm. So the like, I, I actually do think that's going to be a thing in season two. Is his knowledge of moon rocks because he was taking samples <laughs> all the time will actually be important for some reason. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, anyway, so. They, they managed to get Vanya and escape uh, with five traveling them all through time. So, and it's a great, it's a great sort of cliffhanger. Like I would be mad if there was no season two, because I want to see where it goes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this whole thing with Vanya, it, it's frustrating to watch at the end because the solution of just like giving her a hug is, is really obvious. And Alison's the only one yeah. who sees it, but she's powerless to do anything. Uh, 
but as I said, I think that's frustrating in a good way. Um, but mm-hmm. where it really falls flat to me is just, I think her arc with her and Leonard slash Harold is way too Predictable. obvious. Well, yeah, it's yeah. it's a very pretty, like finding out that she's actually the the most powerful one was just, you know, it's something you predict kind of right from the and start. It, it unravels a bit too slowly. Like, yeah. you get the hint of it and then it takes like four or five episodes for it to really <laughs> come to fruition. Um, yeah, like I think this uh, this show does a fair bit of people communicating poorly and so then there's issues that come up because they just didn't talk to each other properly, which is a little bit of a pet yeah. peeve of mine. But it didn't yeah. bother me quite as much in this show because given the upbringing these characters had, it's very reasonable for them to have terrible communication skills. So, like, uh, I'm willing to buy it a bit more, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe that is a good way to describe this show because it does have... We've kind of touched on a bunch of flaws that we both felt about the show, but it really does feel like more than the sum of its parts in a lot of ways. Um, Yeah. Well, I think, think, as I sort of said, I've criticised various bits of the plot, and, yeah, as I said, Vanya's plot is particularly weak which is a shame because it really feels like the main thread that's kind of carrying the core of the show like she feels like the main character the way she's introduced and the way it all revolves around her at the end uh so it's a shame that that's probably the weakest and it's also the shame because Mm. ellen page is great as you'd expect so it feels like she's being wasted uh as well on it yeah um i i'm more interested to see what they do with her in season two i think the the concept of vanya will probably be uh redeemed in season two as they take this sort of predictable story to the next step, which is not somewhere I've seen seen that sort of thing go too often before. Mm. So I think it'll be a bit fresher. Um, so I'm, I'm more interested to see where they go with that in season two. But uh, yeah, I think overall, most of the characters and their arcs are very interesting. Uh, the overall plot is engaging enough to keep you interested. And then, as I said, the style is that icing on top, which just makes it much more captivating than it would be if it was just the plot and characters with like a normal uh, visual style. Yeah. Uh, okay, so to to wrap it up, yes, uh, uh, let's uh, let's give it a number, huh? <laughs> so to quantify uh, those feelings, <laughs> I, I want to give this an eight out of ten. Um, I have criticised it a lot, but I did I did actually find myself quite addicted. Like I watched six of the ten episodes in in one day when uh, when we had a public holiday here. Uh, I sat down to watch to watch one in the afternoon and ended up you know late in the evening rushing out to get dinner at like nine p.m. Because <laughs> uh, I'd accidentally watched six episodes. Uh, yeah, very so... relatable. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so I guess that's the Umbrella Academy. Mm, awesome. Um, so I I brought you the Umbrella Academy la- uh, last fortnight, Elliot. What do you got for us this fortnight? Yeah. Uh, so uh, have we actually brought up yet? This is our one hundredth episode. Uh, Yay! Woo woo! Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and so I really wanted to bring something uh, quite quite that big. had a hundred uh, episodes. Psychic <laughs> <laughs> uh, Atlantis has a hundred episodes. So no, oh, um, yay! <laughs> uh, no, I, I did want to bring something big, but I kind of blew my my ultimate big time recommendation last time when I brought you Game of Thrones. Uh, so this still getting through that. Still so many um, spoilers that I have to avoid, Elliot. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. I kind of hate that uh, I'm hooked on it now because I have to care about avoiding Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, yeah, but so, so this this fortnight I've brought something a little bit more reserved. Like I, I don't think this is going to blow blow anyone away as much as like something like Game of Thrones would. But I think this is very much something that fits the bill of the show because I had never heard of this until somebody mentioned it to me briefly online and, and I looked it up and the premise was interesting enough that I checked it out and then after I finished it I went to like 
learn more about it. And there's basically nothing online. Like, the whole world seems to have missed this show, which is weird because I found it really enjoyable. Hmm. Uh, okay. And so this this fortnight, I'm prescribing everyone Comrade Detective, uh, which is I, a- I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> like, there's very little written about this online. Uh, so it's a- it's an Amazon original series, but it only has one season and it aired in like early 2017, I think. So it doesn't look like it's going to, there's going to be any more, but I think that's fine. It, it tells its story. Uh, so it's basically a mini series uh, of six episodes. And I'm just looking at it now. It's got Channing Tatum and Joseph yes. Gordon-Levitt and Nick Offerman in it. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> how has it not been more, like been more seen? I, I, that was actually part of what drew me in is when this person told me about it online, I did the same thing as you. I immediately went and Googled it briefly and was like, why haven't I heard of this when it's got those three in it? Um, so it, oh my God. It's, it's a little bit hard to explain. So I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to frame it. Um, <laughs> I'm reading the plot I like the, the, uh, you know, the byline of it now and it sounds bonkers. Yeah, uh, well, this is good because this that'll hopefully help me get it across, and we can make sure that the listeners are getting it too. So, Channing Tatum uh, is is in it, and he's also one of the executive producers, and he's joined by another guy whose name I can't remember, uh, and they're basically presenting what they claim is a restored Romanian communist propaganda detective show. Um, <laughs> And so the majority of the show is dubbed footage from this Romanian detective show. And every now and then it cuts back to Channing Tatum and this other guy kind of talking about the history of the show and why they fell in love with it in the 80s and why they're so glad it's being restored and dubbed into English now. Um, Weird. And so originally the creators actually wanted to use real Romanian cop show clips for the Mm. TV show, but that proved to be like too restrictive. So what they did is they've actually filmed this in Romania. It was like a Romanian production team who filmed the whole thing in Romanian. And then <laughs> like Nick Offerman and Channing Tatum and stuff dub over that in an intentionally like corny kind That's of way. so weird. Um, and so I think you'll be familiar with a bit of the humor because some of the humor comes from the dubbed nature of it, uh, mm. which is um, stuff like, you know, if we've talked about Yu-Gi-Oh! The Abridged Series and things, and it, it kind of does some similar jokes uh, in that regard, but yeah. I, I still think they work. But yeah, this premise of a fake communist propaganda series really works because they use that to make jokes at the expense of capitalism, at the expense of communism, <laughs> and at, at the expense of like propaganda in general. And I found all of those yeah. funny. And then yeah. the, the plot and the characters are, are pretty good as well. I think they're intentionally kind of over the top because it's meant to be like an 80s TV show. Yeah. Um, but I, I found it engaging enough uh, with those. And, and I thought the humor and just the bizarreness of the concept really carried me through the six episodes. Oh, only six, huh? Yep. Uh, and, and it's not like episode of the week. Like, obviously, I would not bring you a police procedural that's that's case of the week because uh, we, we've yeah, been we, down we've that road. About um, this. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is one mystery that carries through all six. Like, it's it's really like a you know a mini series type deal. Yeah. Uh, and and you know it's it's a solid enough mystery, but it, it's really the show's the show's carried by its bizarreness and this weird sense of humor that's poking fun at politics in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, well, I'm I'm definitely very sold on this show. Uh, <laughs> it sounds very strange and right up my alley. I remember, I think we've talked about this before on the show, Elliot. But there's fuck, what is it? This weird animated redub show that I've forgotten the name of, where 
an English team took a, a failed Japanese anime and bought oh, the ghost rights stories. to it. Ghost stories. That's yes, it. Um, I think I I think I watched that separately uh, with my sisters after talking to you about it on here and talking to them, and they're like, "Oh, it's great!" and and I watched the whole thing with them, and it, yeah, it's uh, so it was an animated series in Japan that sort of didn't do very well. So when they were dubbing it into English, they were told they could rewrite the script however they wanted. So yeah. they all they they did it. They got like a team of like comedians sort of together and did it without a script and just made shit up yeah. as they went and it's hilarious a, a very improvisational comedy dub um yeah which is such a wild concept and i love i love weird like new concepts for for things like this and it sounds like comrade detective is kind of fitting this bill as well um, yeah absolutely i think like you nobody could argue that it's it's a unique premise if nothing else you know regardless yeah. of it, like I, I think the majority of the critical consensus was quite positive uh and, and i did enjoy it but i I think even if you didn't enjoy it, you'd have to give it props for just <laughs> like, the bizarreness of the premise and, and how well they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm excited to go and watch it now. So I guess we'll check in in a, in a fortnight and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, I guess that brings us to the end of 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 Media MD for this fortnight. We'll we'll be back in a fortnight to talk more about Comrade Detective. <laughs> um, so uh, thanks for thanks for uh, listening to the show. Uh, if you want to catch up with us and, and make sure you're staying on top of the episodes, uh, make sure you are following us on Twitter, which is at MediaMD Podcast. Yeah, and through that Twitter account, uh, we also give you updates on our other show, uh, Deep Impact, which uh, I think yesterday we just started Arc 6. So it's, uh, yeah. it's heating up, but there's still time to catch up. And I, I still have talked to a few people who've just started and are, are catching up. So, you know, you won't be alone. <laughs> And there are definitely people who uh, just start and try and keep up, and before we know it, they're way in front of us. So <laughs> yeah. it's yes. it's the kind of it's the kind of thing that once you get into it, uh, it'll be more of a struggle to keep up than <laughs> than you'd think. Yeah, you'll be you'll, you'll be struggling to, to slow down, not not yeah, keep totally. up. Yeah. Um, uh, if you enjoyed the show and you want to support the show, then the best way to do that is to uh, leave us a review on iTunes, which helps us, you know, get out in front of more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also contact us and, and leave comments, uh, not just on iTunes and not just on Twitter, but also at our email, which is mediamdpodcast at gmail.com. Now, that's a lot of things to remember, but luckily you don't have to remember them. Forget all those. The only one you actually have to remember is head to our website, mediamdpodcast.com, <laughs> and uh, you can find links to do all of the things we just mentioned. Uh, find it all Why did shows. we mention them then? I know. Who knows? Uh, find our shows, follow us on Twitter, leave us a review, as well as you can see all of the clues for the Media MD ARG. You can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD and why are his superheroes so depressed? Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Cables. Was it? Was that, sorry, cables or tables? Cables. Cables with a C. Uh, okay. Cables. And we will see you next fortnight. Cables.